What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Greenbow, Alabama time, third Saturday in October time, get fired up time, try to get yourself fired up time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, this is the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here Oh, this is a late Wednesday night, I would call it. Probably going to drop this podcast on a Thursday morning, if all goes well, hopefully. So uh, whether it's Thursday morning or later in the week, whatever day it is, whatever time of day it is, we're happy that you're spending part of it with us here on the Govals 24-7 podcast. This is, I believe, episode number four for the week, I think, uh, if you count the, uh, the, the podcast after Tennessee's. Recent uh, game, air quotes, game against Kentucky uh, where things did not go well. Vols lost 34-7 to to the Wildcats. And now uh, just in time as the train goes by right behind me, which is always a good sign. Thanks for that, guys. Uh, good timing, obviously, for Tennessee to be hosting Alabama because, um, you know, they're, they're not very good. You know, they're, they're not very good offensively, you know, just no explosive playmakers. You know, everything's going great. This is, a, this is a really good opponent, a really good pick-me-up game uh, that the Vols need. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, we did have a conversation on Wednesday for the podcast with Travis Ryer from Bama Online, and now we're going to have a conversation with another, uh, another guy from BOL, another dude. Uh, this happens to be the dude uh, from Bama Online, Tim Watts, the, the one and only Tim Watts, the uh, sort of the, the godfather of our industry in certain ways in terms of sites like ours. He's run BOL for a long time. Uh, whatever you think of Alabama, whatever you think of the Tide, uh, those guys do an excellent job over there covering Alabama football. Uh, they have a great, great message board, great, uh, great community, great site, and those guys have been doing it for a long time. Tim's been the guy running that, so there is probably no one better to talk to about Alabama football. And, and this is a guy who um, is really well connected throughout the league too. Certainly, uh, and knows a, a lot of coaches been doing this a long time and has a lot of insight. And uh, so what we did was, since Tim's such a good friend of ours, we had the entire staff uh, on with Tim for a call. I think this is the first time we've ever had five people uh, for a podcast uh, in, in the, at the same time. So uh, hopefully you can hear who all's talking at what time. Uh, hopefully the audio comes out okay enough. I think it should. Uh, but we had a, lot of, had a lot of fun doing this. We recorded it. It's a little longer than a regular episode. I think we talked for oh, a good hour or so. Uh, talked about you know, this game, uh, obviously, Bama coming into it on a high, Tennessee coming into it on a low. We talked about the the series, the third Saturday in October, some history uh, throughout the game, some of our favorite moments throughout the years of covering this this great rivalry and, and sort of what stage this rivalry is at now because, you know, clearly Bama's been doing everything it, it's done since Saban's been there, kind of lifted the bar to the sky, uh, really setting the bar so high, and, and Tennessee has sort of been, you know, Moses – wandering through the desert uh, in the past you know, dozen or so years. Not been uh, what you normally see from Tennessee. So where is this rivalry now? How much does Tennessee need to do its part of the bargain to make this rivalry what it was and what it should be, what it always should be? 
and uh, we had a lot of fun too. The, obviously, you know, Tim's a guy who we work with a lot. We've known him for years. Uh, he's a really, really good friend. So uh, we get a little casual in this conversation at times. Mostly making fun of Ryan Callahan, but you know, it, it's a it, it's a lot of fun. Mostly Ryan Callahan's expense. So sit back for a second. Uh, if you enjoy uh, Tennessee football, Alabama football, if you enjoy the third Saturday in October, if you want to hear the latest on what's going on with Tennessee, Bama, all kinds of fun stuff going into this game, uh, this will be the podcast for you. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of the way, and here is the first part uh, of our conversation of Go Vols 24-7 versus Tim Watts. Well, guys, this is pretty exciting. We're going to get uh, – th- this will probably be the most voices at the same time on a Go Vols 24-7 podcast that we've ever had uh, because we're eventually going to have our entire Go Vols 24-7 crew on here whenever Ryan decides that he will grace us with his presence, which who knows whenever that's going to happen. And we're also joined by one of our absolute favorite people in the network, the man, the myth, the legend behind Bama Online. It is the one and the only Tim Watts, who not only is here, has a picture of all of us together from a uh, from a gathering that we had socially in Nashville back when the world was was right. What's going on, Tim? Good. One of my favorite photos, me with my my bald guys. And Tim, who sent you that photo? photo? Patrick. <laughs> Thank you. I don't I don't remember this photo. Can you refresh my memory? Grant, Grant Grant was there in spirit. Yeah, that's a good way to put Spirits. it. Spirits. That's probably we weekend the it's probably we weekend at Bernie'd him around uh Broadway for three hours. That was uh if you go if you remember the office when there was date Mike, uh that was uh that was Nashville Ramey. Nashville Ramey is like date Mike, basically. It was good times. Guys, speaking of what maybe will be good times, maybe will not be such good times for for certain people. Tennessee is hosting second-ranked Alabama on Saturday at Neyland Stadium, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS. The the Oh, look, is Ryan here? Is Ryan here? Can I, do, can I just do this by phone? Yeah, you're already here, game. Ryan. You're already here. here. Well, what I'm saying is we're recording this right now. This is this is what's going oh. to be on the podcast. You are late. Going. We needed proof. Well, there you go. See, now everyone's here. Tennessee hosting second-ranked Alabama, 3.30 p.m. Eastern CBS Saturday, Neyland Stadium. Uh, and obviously both teams coming into it with lots of positive momentum. Uh, Alabama uh, pasting uh, uh, then-third-ranked Georgia in the second half on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And then Tennessee, oh, uh, not maybe so much momentum after a uh, after a – a really, really poor performance and a loss to Kentucky, the first loss Tennessee's had to Kentucky in Knoxville since Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States of America. A bit of a tale of two different teams uh, coming into this one, Tim. It's uh, it's not uh, – they're going in different directions. Let's put it that way. I think, you know, when you watch Tennessee, that was just a – it's just a horrible sandwich game. I mean, they play a very emotional – physical contest against Georgia, Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby Smart, obviously friends and have coached together and very, very competitive guys, very hard hitting game, very physical. It didn't really surprise me to see Tennessee sort of get out to a slow start. Um, you know, it's hard. You, you, you got Georgia, you got Kentucky, you got Alabama. It's easy. Look ahead, look, a, look ahead and sort of take a breath and, and lick your wounds. And Georgia's a physical team. And that was a very, very hard-hitting game. So, yeah, I was surprised with the Kentucky results. Um, it really just proves that in the SEC, really anywhere, I mean, you saw Saturday, you saw Florida State beat number five, North Carolina. You saw Notre Dame hold on to beat Louisville, one and four Louisville team. 
at home. It's just tough, especially in the SEC when you play those games. And, you know, these games are such a thin line. You look at Alabama, Georgia, probably the turnovers were a big determining factor there. You look at Kentucky, you look at Tennessee, the same thing. I mean, you spot anybody 17 points and, you know, you got a, you got a little battle to, you know, try to come back from. Yeah, and, and that was – that was pretty much the only way I think Kentucky could win that game was, was Tennessee getting in an early hole, Tennessee letting Kentucky play the game it wanted to play. And uh, you, you just see the difference when you contrast the offenses of these two teams that are going to be facing each other Saturday. Tennessee has got the kind of offense where if you fall behind by a few scores, uh, you are in a world of hurt most likely. Uh, that's just kind of how it is. It's hard to – they don't really have the pieces to put together – to go light up the scoreboard really quickly. Whereas if Alabama, you jump on that team by a couple scores, uh, that that passing attack, those receivers, you got a quarterback in Mac Jones who's out there throwing darts now. Uh, you got Harris in the run game that can still go and get 100 yards and a touchdown against Georgia, which is absolutely ridiculous because Georgia does not allow rushing touchdowns uh, to running backs. Uh, and Tennessee had negative one rushing yardage uh, against the Bulldogs. I think he had 151, didn't he? Yeah. It was 100, yeah. 151. Just, just a dog. Yeah, especially in the fourth quarter. And that's what I wanted to ask you about. And I want the other guys to, to jump in here too, the, the Tennessee guys. But, but Tim, where do you think Alabama is right now? Because this is – still a rivalry game. I think it means a lot to, to a lot of people, especially people of older generations. It's just when they remember both of these teams being elite at the same time or thereabouts. Um, but now Alabama in all likelihood has bigger fish to fry than this game, but it, it's still a rivalry game. It's still a, a game that you have to go out there and do your job. Where do you think Bama is right now kind of mentally, physically coming into this one? You know, with the you know, with the as far as the fans, this will always be a huge game. We've seen runs. Tennessee had a good little twelve-year stretch there where they won ten games against Alabama. You've seen what Saban's done since he's been at Tennessee. I grew up. I had three brothers. Two were huge Tennessee fans. One was an Alabama fan. So my perspective of this is a little different. We watched games together. We didn't talk trash to each other. Um, all that stuff. I've always respected Tennessee, especially you know now with Jeremy Pruitt there. You know, coming from Alabama, I'm familiar with him. At, at all of his stops. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, Tennessee's got their work cut out for them. A lot's working against Tennessee. I mean, one of the big advantages of Tennessee is Neyland Stadium. You're not getting a full capacity crowd, the energy to feed off. I mean, that's that's one thing. You know, you got a 230 game. Also, those that, that crowd really would have been able to help them. But they're obviously, with Alabama's offense, I don't think it's just Tennessee. I think it's everybody is really facing an uphill battle. They have a good offensive line. They have a good quarterback. They have great skilled players. And like you said, they have a big running back size of Derrick Henry. That's a big guy back there. Najee's a, a big old guy. And, you know, you get those linemen leaning on you and you get to him piling through that line over and over. I think you saw that in the fourth quarter. They just eventually wear you down. So <clears throat> obviously I think Tennessee would like to come out. And I think that's just sort of the way Tennessee's built is to come out, try to run the ball, try to control the clock, try to hit short passes, maybe take a shot every now and then. But you're right, you don't want to come out, kick off to Alabama, have Alabama score, go three and out and have Alabama score, because then running out the clock, you know, the ball control is really out the window. So from a talent standpoint, I think Alabama's definitely got the upper hand, but that's, you know, multiple years of Nick Saban recruiting top five classes. Tennessee's obviously came up the last few years putting some top 10 type classes together. And before that, 
you know, I like to say, you know, all jobs you walk into aren't even. Tennessee mm-hmm. was a little bit further down than, say, Kirby Smart walked into Georgia and had more talent. Tennessee walked in, had a couple of down years. The last year wasn't particularly good for Butch Jones on the recruiting trail. So they're still trying to make up ground. But then again, you know, they compete with two of the top three teams in the country. I mean, you can't convince me Georgia isn't one of the top three teams. There's no way Notre Dame – Georgia would beat Notre Dame um, – beat the brakes off Notre Dame if they played. So that's, you know, they're playing a really tough conference. So they just got to sort of pick out those games they can win. And I think that Kentucky was a winnable game. Offense wasn't really scary for them. So I I can see why there's a, you know, I don't know if I'd call it panic, but I can see there's disappointment on how the seasons went. I want to kick this around to the entire group because I know that we're going to have plenty of time to discuss Tennessee's quarterback quagmire coming into this game but I think one interesting thing uh, about this game is the quarterback for the other team Mac Jones is a guy who was taken over from from Tua Tungavailoa and you just wondered you knew what Bama had up front you knew what the wide receivers could do uh, even though there may be not be as many of them the ones that are there are really really good uh, you got a bunch of tight ends you got a couple one really good running back a couple solid ones behind him you knew Alabama had the pieces but Mac Jones was a guy who well, no one expected him to be Tua, but nobody really knew what to expect, or at least I think most people didn't know. And he's been out there kind of surgically throwing darts. And, and he's surprised me quite a bit as someone who watches probably half of Alabama's games whenever I can get to them. He's been uh, he's been really, really good this season. This guy's been out there doing a really good job. How much – am I the only one who's this surprised by well, it? Or? No, no, Wes. I mean, I, you, you make a good point about Mac. You know, he came into that Tennessee game last season when Tua got hurt, and – uh, I, I don't remember the, the exact drives, but it seemed like he was a little bit shaky. I don't want to say he had a deer in the headlights look, but I mean, it's a tough spot to get thrown into. He hadn't, I don't think he had played that much. Um, I, I don't think he had played that much up to that point. Uh, and that's a pressure situation where that game was still kind of there for the taking, you know, getting, getting into a game in the second quarter when it's still, uh, it's still up for grabs is different from getting into a game when you're up by 35 points. So, uh, that was a, a situation where Matt, you know, Matt came in. I think Tennessee gave him a couple different blitzes, a couple different looks, got him uh, to rush some throws. But uh, you look at it after that, though, he had a, had a pretty good game against Arkansas the next week. That was a pretty bad burst of Arkansas. That sort of built his confidence. But since then, you know, he threw for big numbers against Auburn, uh, big numbers against Michigan last season. And uh, obviously he's got a lot of talent around him. But uh, you still, if you're if you're throwing bombs like he is and what Alabama has, what, like, a 60 yard touchdown in every game this season or something crazy like that. I mean, it seems to happen on a weekly basis where he's hitting a guy over the top for uh, an easy touchdown. Those aren't easy throws to make. And uh, you saw what he did against Georgia, 417 yards. I think he only had eight incompletions. His only interception was when he got hit on a throw. Um, and, and, you know, Tim, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on just how far this guy's come and why he's able, you know, why he's playing the way he is right now. Max sort of that throwback to what a lot of us used to see from a quarterback before they were either a transfer in or a true freshman starter. You know, guys used to sit and wait their turn, um, learn the system. And that's something, you know, he's been, you know, Mac Jones been able to do. He's been able to be on the scout team for multiple years. Uh, he's matured a lot. I mean, he was, a, you know, the thing about him is he's a very confident, cocky kid. He was that way in high school. Uh, once asked me when he said, why is everybody asking me about Tua and Jalen? What am I supposed to be worried about? And, uh, you know, you got to have some confidence to follow those two at the time. So he's got that experience. And, you know, he's going to get some pretty good players. Alabama's had a lot of guys in the NFL um, off those teams. He was going against that first team uh, 
defense. So he's had a lot of time to learn the system and just get comfortable. Uh, had some struggles when he was early on, when he was there early on. I know Jeremy Pruitt's familiar with him because he was the Alabama DC when, when Mac was the scout quarterback one year. So he'll, he'll be familiar with him, but he's matured a lot, filled out a lot. And again, it, and again, not taking anything from him, tremendous talent around him, but he's making throws. It's not just, uh, he's not just a game manager. As you said, the Georgia, you know, that showed something that Georgia defense, I can't say enough. It's the best defense I've seen uh, hard hitting NFL guys all over. Kirby smarts, a great defensive coordinator, him and Pruitt are both great in that aspect. So yeah, he's came a long way. Yeah. Anyone who can make that Georgia defense look like that has some special qualities because that Georgia defense is just, and I know Bama just put up a bunch of points, um, but I think that tells you more about Bama's offense than Georgia's defense. Georgia's defense is just fantastic. It's one of their nickel package in particular is one of the best that I've seen. It's, it's really, really good. Um, so I, I, I think he's been – he's really, really surprised me. I just did not know that he had this kind of thing to him. I thought he – you know, maybe it's just the way that our brains are trained to think about, well, earlier in the Saban era where they had kind of some game managers there at quarterback and they just kind of managed the game, distributed the ball where it needed to go, got him in the right plays. He's not been anything like that. He's been, he's been really, really good. And you contrast that with what's going on at Tennessee right now where you have a guy who is a fifth-year senior quarterback. You have a guy who you would like to think that at this point, some continuity finally for him. He's got a couple pieces around him, some talented guys up front, a couple of experienced running backs. Maybe the picture can really start coming together now, and it just hasn't happened. So this is some variation of the conversation that we've had all week long that we'll continue to have all week long, and I would imagine we'll have for at least a few more weeks. But what can Tennessee do at quarterback? What does Tennessee need to do at quarterback, and who can provide that? They need to be the team they were the first two weeks of the season, the first two weeks and the first two quarters at Georgia. I mean, uh, they ran the ball against Missouri. They controlled the line of scrimmage. Uh, they ran it pretty good at South Carolina. They found a way to win that game. They were up 21-17 at halftime at Georgia after after Jared Garantano, who you know everyone is you know, thrown under the bus repeatedly for the last couple of weeks through a couple of nice touchdown passes uh, to Josh Palmer. So if he could get set back to being that guy that doesn't turn the ball over, that manages the offense, uh, that Tennessee can run the ball behind, he would be fine. Uh, nobody's going to want to see him. He's probably going to get booed if he takes the first reps Saturday against uh, Alabama. And Alabama, Tennessee needs to worry about Tennessee. Tennessee needs to fix itself and get back to being whoever is a quarterback, get back to being a team that takes care of the football doesn't have terrible penalties like they've had the last couple of weeks. I mean, Tim said you can't, you know, Kentucky's a pretty good team. They're not as good as Tennessee made them look because you can't gift wrap 17 points to somebody, especially a team when you're a team like Tennessee that wants to run the ball the way it does. Uh, but whoever's at quarterback, if it's JG, if it's Harrison Bailey, if it's JT Shrout, if it's Brian Mauer, just find somebody that can take care of the football and get you back to being who you were those first couple of weeks. My question, Pat, is does any d- does Tennessee have someone – who we think can take care of the football because you would think one of the biggest reasons Garantano had been in there is because they were terrified of what Shroud and Maurer would do with the ball and they don't know enough about Bailey yet because they haven't had him long enough. What Does Tennessee have someone who can be like, just just don't turn the thing over? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that they do. Uh, just, but then again, you also can say that you haven't seen Shroud or Maurer enough to know – uh, if they were just making inexperienced mistakes or if they are, are turnover prone. I mean, uh, with Shrout, he seems like he's always had the shortest leash when he gets into game. South Carolina last year, UAB, 
I think UAB, he made one like kind of risky throw and got yanked. Um, you know, he, he makes a couple of mistakes uh, against Kentucky in, in three plays where he didn't send a guy in motion on one play and then uh, forced a throw in coverage when he had two guys underneath open for uh, easy gains on second and 21. You know, he tried to get it all in once and, uh, and forced a throw into some deep zone coverage. Um, and then Maurer, I don't think Maurer is ready, first of all. I don't, I don't think he's had enough reps from um, being in quarantine and missing a lot of, of the preseason with uh, with the hamstring injury. I don't, I don't think that he's ready physically to go in there. And even last season, I've always kind of equated putting him in to get on a roller coaster because uh, something's going to happen. It's going to be exciting, but it also may freak you out a little bit because he's going to throw it into traffic. He's going to make some uh, poor decisions and poor reads. Um, and he, you know, he started four games last season, but he didn't finish any of them. Didn't even make it a halftime in a, in a couple of them and was benched in the last one he started. So uh, I, I don't know that they have a guy. Uh, and like you said, Wes, I, I don't know that they have um, – they don't know enough about Bailey at this point to know. I, I think Tennessee thinks Bailey can be good. I just don't think that they believe he's just ready yet. So uh, I think that's why they're trying to force feed him as much work as they can in some of these Sunday scrimmages. Um, and that sort of gets back to – I don't want to say old reliable because at this point, can you say Jared Garantan has been reliable for Tennessee? But well, you know what you're going mean, to get. It, it may not be very good, but you know what you're yeah, going to get. Yeah, but I mean, it's you know, it's crazy though because it wasn't that long ago he was playing good football for Tennessee. You know, it was only a couple weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago against Missouri when you know he, he was coming off two games where he didn't have any turnovers. But uh, as we've talked about before, when he goes bad, he goes way bad. So um, I, I would, if I'm Tennessee, I would be looking at something else. I, I think you've seen enough of of what. Garantano is capable of both good and bad. Um, and I would think you would need to be trying something different, but uh, that's why I'm not getting paid millions of dollars a year to make those decisions. Tim, what do you think about the outside? What's the outside view on Garantano as a guy you've seen him go against Alabama a few times. Now you've seen him make some plays. You've seen him have some devastating, devastatingly bad moments against Alabama. And you've also watched a lot of other Tennessee games and around the league. What do you think the consensus or, or the general view on Garantano is across the league? Just, you know, more, you know, mostly like, you know, he can, the, you know, he can change the, the game so quick, the momentum. I think overall he's a solid quarterback. I just think his mistakes are so magnified. I mean, we were talking earlier last year at Alabama, you know, the worst case scenario on that fourth and one at the goal is uh, they don't get it. And the defense is held up well. You got Matt Jones, you're backed up in your own end zone. You got a chance to lean on him. We thought that was the worst case. And then, you know, he went airborne and a 438 guy picks it up, looking like he's running the fourth leg of the four by 400 in the Olympics. And it was he just was a gone. complete, and, uh, and not to mention, the play was there. It was a huge. There was it, it was, was a walk-in was touchdown. Yeah, yeah. It was a walk. It was a beautiful. Alabama sold out for the middle. They had a guy kick out. It was a beautiful play. Um, and I get it. I mean, the thing, I, the thing, you know, looking at neutrally, I think the guy's a competitor. I remember his first start, I believe, in Alabama when they they tried to decapitate him. He was in Tuscaloosa. That was a close ball game. I mean, at some point they hit him, and his helmet flew 15 yards down the field, and he stayed in the game. So I think the guy's competitive. Uh, I think he does all the small things, it sounds like, for Tennessee. But the results, you know, I know Tennessee fans want results. So it's easy for me to say uh, Harrison Bailey's a guy I liked a lot in the recruiting process. I think he's a very talented guy. I just don't know if you can sling him sling him in in the first quarter, the opener against Alabama, when you have a bye week coming up and then Arkansas, maybe a more winnable game. Um, I like what I saw from 18 last year 
before he had the uh, the concussion. I think he was ruled out. Is that yeah. what happened? Yeah, he he, yeah. he he got he got he got a couple of them last year. Yeah, and he's I mean he's another guy. I know he's missed with COVID, you know, but a, a, you know another guy that's a competitor. I don't know as much about the other one. It's not an ideal situation, obviously. I think the Tennessee staff wants to be competitive with Alabama and certainly win if they can. But there's a lot of football left to be played. You don't want to, you know, you guys are watching enough football to know the quarterback is as mental as it is anything else. And you don't want a guy to go out there and get hurt or get, uh, you know, nervous or, or, or doubting himself because the quarterback's got to be a cocky dude. You know, there's not many great quarterbacks or humble. Dan Marino can sell gloves all he wants to, but in the backyard throwing football at Thanksgiving, he's talking trash the whole time and he's eating you alive. So um, it's a tough situation. I'm just guessing I don't have any inside in that program, but I would expect that that two will go back out there probably on a short leash. And I could be completely wrong, but that's what I would do. I would play him, try to control the game. Cause if you get down, you can do basically what you want. You know, you can rotate who you want in, but if you bring in Harrison Bailey, throws three picks, gets sacked twice. I mean, you're talking about an 18 year old kid, talented guy that, you know, you probably wanted to bring along a little bit slower. Now I will say this, this isn't your normal Alabama defense yeah. you're used to seeing. I mean, it's uh, it's still talented, still got some guys. They made some big plays, but they're a little bit, you know, anytime you score 50 points, it's hard to shut out the other other team. They're going to give up yards. They'll give up plays, more of that bend and not break. So it's not the Reuben Foster team you guys saw a few years ago, but still it's an SEC team full of guys with SEC scholarships. So yeah, well, what I was wondering about is if you're Tennessee going into this game, you you want to you want to be competitive, right? You you want to do I don't think you can try to think of it in terms of let's just not get embarrassed. I think you have to try to go out there if you're trying to build a program the right way, it's about being competitive every week no matter what. But if you want to be competitive in this game, I don't think you can just manage it because I, I Bama's going to score. Bama could score 50 every week, I think, if it really wanted to. If it just really wanted to go out there and keep the guys out there full speed, full tempo, the top guys in there, I mean, they, they, can, they can onslaught you pretty quick. They can make it ugly. So if you're Tennessee, you really can't just try to manage this game, can you? Because you – you're gonna have to put points on the board to be competitive in this game. Well, offensively, I don't think you can. I don't think you can manage. It. I think you have to take some risks. Defensively, uh, it's gonna be pick your poison for Tennessee. You're either gonna have to die by getting punched, you know, getting haymakers three, four times. Or you're gonna have to die by a thousand paper cuts by playing deep zones. Don't give anything up over the top. Make Alabama put eight, ten play drives together, which they d- will do. That's something that that Alabama doesn't do. You know, hearing, listening to Jeremy Pruitt earlier this week, he says that you know one thing that Alabama doesn't do on offense is make mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot, which uh, we've seen a lot. Of, you know, we've seen a lot from Tennessee to these past couple of games. But uh, offensively, you know, you have to play to your strengths if you're Tennessee, and your strength is run the ball. Uh, this offensive line's a little bit banged up right now. It looks like they might get Jerome Carvin back this week. I think he's probably one of their best five. Um, and that maybe sets the lineup a little bit better than uh, some of the rotations and some of the shuffling they've had to do over these past couple of games. We'll have to see about one day Morris at left tackle. He's uh, what they might, what they might do there if he can't go uh, after getting hurt against Kentucky. But uh, I think like Tim said, if you're, if you're Tennessee, you're going to have to try to lean on your, on your own game, try to control the clock, try to pick up first downs and, and uh, at least try to keep Alabama's offense on the sideline because they can't score if they're over there. Now the problem with Tennessee is, in the past six quarters, you've given the, the defense three touchdowns <laughs> with turnovers. So 
uh, and you gave up nine more points uh, off turnovers and the other offense got two first downs on three drives. So um, that's the number one thing for Tennessee is you can't turn the ball over. And I think you have to try to find a way to uh, manage the clock, lean on your offensive line, but you also are going to, you know, if you, if you do get some chances to take shots down the field, you have to take those and you have to take advantage of them. It only took Pat about 20 minutes to, to mention the Memphis guy. It, it, I was wondering when it was going to happen. Who did I mention? Didn't, wasn't it Carvin? I did mention Carvin. He is. Yeah. He is from Memphis. You got to shout Cord- it out when you say it, though. Cordova. Yeah. There you go. Well, I mean, that's you know basically Memphis. I mean, it's basically Memphis. Yes. You're right there. Hey, Ryan, are about, you are you about Eric already? Gray? That's another one. Yeah, he is. He is another one. That's true. So 20 minutes, and he got a couple. Good of facts. Them. Good facts there, Gray. Hey, hey, Ryan, are you alive? Or are you, bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. I, I am. I am. I was trying not to give you guys too much road noise as I get got back from boating, but I am here. So oh, let's yeah. go to Ryan in West Knoxville. He's been on hold for about twenty minutes. What do you got, Ryan? <laughs> first caller, Ryan, first caller, Ryan Callahan. He says he just voted. Ryan, how, Ryan how's the traffic out there in West Knoxville? Uh, it was actually rough a little bit. Uh, that's why it took me a little longer than expected to, to make it home. But uh, but I, you know, did did secure uh, uh, my my vote earlier, so at least got that done. Make, uh, make sure make, make sure you don't tell anyone who you voted for, please. We're cutting uh, up the uh, newspaper for your confetti for the parade we're giving you, Ryan. <laughs> Congratulate, congratulations on voting. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it, it was hard. We're very proud of you. George Clooney's going to appreciate that vote, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, I think this is a game, honestly, I, I've, got, I've changed my thoughts on this a little bit because I, I see where Jeremy Pruitt's coming from with what he says about Jarrett Garantano going into this game. I, I think it's a – it's a tough spot to be in because you're, you guys are right. I mean, I, I think the fans are not going to like it at all if they see number two go out there for the first snap. But at the same time, you know what your offense can be. You saw those first two games. Tennessee looked pretty good against Missouri. They, they, they did enough to win against South Carolina. If that offense shows up again, you could have a pretty good showing against Alabama. And, and Garantano's a guy who's played against them before. He, he knows what he's up against. And and it's an Alabama defense that, is, as Tim said, you can there, there are some plays to be made there if you can execute well and, and play up to your potential, uh, maybe more so than in past years against Alabama. So I, I think I, I think it makes sense to give Garantano a shot in this game. I don't know if maybe you go back to bringing him off the bench, which he did so well last year, but I think you at least give Garantano a shot to play a lot in this game. I, I don't know if you maybe mix in someone else. I, I would be interested in seeing Brian Maurer again. Uh, but I just don't know if he's ready, like Patrick said, and we've kind of heard those uh, those signs from Jeremy Pruitt that he's maybe not ready. So uh, it, it's a tough spot from that standpoint. But I wonder if you mix in this week maybe some youth at wide receiver. I think it might be time to see more of those young guys there to see if you can get something going a little bit more in the passing game that way because I think they've what we've seen from that group of receivers so far is not enough separation consistently. I think they feel like they have some athleticism there and guys like Jalen Hyatt, Malachi Weidman, if you can mix them in a little more, that maybe gives your passing game a boost without having to just completely shake things up at quarterback to the extent that you don't have any clue what you're getting in your offense against one of the best teams in the country. That's a good point, Ryan. And, and the thing about those receivers is, I mean, is it that if Malachi Wildman doesn't know the offense very well, well, just tell him to go out there and run a go route like they did on Saturday yeah. and throw it up to him. I mean, he's 6'4". He saw, you know, just on one one play what he can do if you give him a chance to go make a make a play on a, on a high, on a high throw on a, on a back shoulder pass. So back shoulder fade. So uh, why can't you put him in there in the first quarter and do that? You know, why can't you do that earlier in the game? Um, You know, it's something where maybe if you've got some of those freshmen and and they've missed a lot, they've missed some time, Jimmy Callaway, Jimmy holiday, they've not played as much because they've missed a lot of time in the preseason, but 
uh, at some point you're going to have to get those guys on the field because, you know, we heard from Josh Palmer on Wednesday, those guys are, are, they bring speed. They make, you know, they make plays in practice. Uh, And it's obviously it's different than, you know, doing it in practice than doing it against Alabama on Saturdays. But uh, at some point they need to try something new, maybe not just at the quarterback position, but also at some other position as well. And go vertical. Don't throw an out to the far side of the field. Like Jeremy Pruitt said, to throw a 54-yard pass to gain four yards. Yeah. I mean, run your guys towards the goal line. That's the that's the goal. That's why it's called the goal line. You know, the thing I can guarantee is that, you know, Pruitt's as competitive as they come. I mean, he's won everywhere he's been, and I would expect nothing less this week. I mean, he's going to want to put up a good show. He's playing. I mean, he knows he's an underdog, and but he's, you know, he's he's got a lot of people, connections to Alabama. Cheney's a good offensive coordinator. Derek Ansley's a – excellent uh, defensive coordinator. So they got a lot of stuff. They probably don't have, as they say, the Jimmies and Joes that Alabama does, but they got some guys and then this game's been a game they've, uh, they had circled when they saw the schedule. It's a big rivalry. Everybody's going to be involved, but Tennessee, you know, they can experiment a little and figure out the rest of the season. And really this is the game when you're an underdog like this, I think you just go with the flow of what happens early and you, you have to, you know, when the, you know, if he there, you know, as Patrick said, hitting you with haymakers, you're going to have to bob and weave a little bit more. So I think on the fly, um, I still expect it to be, I don't, ex- I, you know, Tennessee was really flat to me in that second half of the Kentucky game. And I think that was a hangover still from Georgia. I just think that, you know, they start game started that way. I don't expect that in Tennessee. I mean, uh, against Alabama, they, it's a home game. They know, uh, what this means, the kids know what it means. I mean, I mean, all these guys, most of those kids on the Tennessee side are from the South, and you know, a lot of guys from Alabama from the South, they all know each other. So, I think it'll be a good, hard hitting game. That was the first part of our conversation as a Go Vols 24 7 staff with our good friend Tim Watts from Bama Online 24 7 Sports, excellent Alabama site. Uh, and we're going to get more of that. We're going to have a second part of this conversation uh, that we're going to get to in just a second. But before we do that, we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll see what's going on with Gus over here with the squeaky toy. Hashtag ad. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, which has now been uh, Gus-proofed again. Uh, Gus has been summarily dismissed. He has been given a 15-yard penalty for squeakiness. 
uh, with the with the dog toy there. He's back outside. We can get back down to business here and get get down to the second part of our conversation with Bama Online's Tim Watts, a good friend of ours, good friend of the pod, good friend of the of the program, good friend of Govals twenty four seven. All kinds of good stuff to talk about there uh, with with our, our entire staff really sitting down with Tim over Zoom, hashing it out, going over some things with Tennessee and Alabama before the third Saturday in October showdown over the weekend. Uh, we're going to get right back to that. Before we do that, though, I will ask again, guys, please go in there and take just a second. I don't want to say a second. Take a minute or so out of your day. Hit the subscribe button on this podcast. Please rate and review this podcast, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the Google Marketplace, wherever you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Uh, and we do this for free, and we're happy to do it, really happy to do so. It's a labor of love. But the one thing we're going to ask is please go in there and rate and review it. Please subscribe. Uh, if you hit that button right there, you give us a quick review, kind of tap, tap it out there. Just tap it out. Just tap it out. Uh, tell us what you think about the podcast. Tell us uh, what you like. Tell us if there's something you think we could do better. We're certainly not above listening to that. Uh, you know, if we do some merch giveaway, some other things later, we'll also maybe tie that in uh, to some of these things. Uh, we will buy your love, payola style. We'll do it. Don't don't think we won't. We'll do it. Uh, also, please, if you do that, uh, it will really, really help us grow this podcast more. The numbers are just great every month, every week, every day. I see this thing growing and growing, and it's been great to see. Uh, but I'd like to see more ratings and reviews. So please go in there if you could. Just take a, a couple minutes and do that. That would really help us out. So please go do that. And while you're doing that, you can continue listening to our conversation with Tim Watts, our good friend from Bama Online, talking Tennessee, talking Alabama, third Saturday in October, et cetera, et cetera. Tons of good stuff here, and we're going to get right back to it. You know, what's interesting to me is this is another game where you've got one of Saban's former coaches going against him. And it seems like that's almost happening every other week with Saban now because there's been so much success there that so many people have wanted to hire his people and start programs with his people. And at this point, are we still making too much of the whole, you know, Saban's guys going against each other schematically, they know each other, or does this, do these guys evolve so much that that stuff doesn't really matter? Uh, because we know that none of Saban's former guys have beaten him. We know that much, but in terms of, does it matter where, does it matter that, that well, they know each other so well? Well, it's like it's like Saban usually says when he gets this question. It's you know, a lot of times his guys are leaving to go take up program, you know, take over programs that you know. There's a reason there was a coaching change because things weren't going so great, you know, from a uh, from a roster standpoint, from a uh, win loss standpoint. You're you know you're taking over programs that are changing coaches for a reason. I think the, maybe the only guys, his only former assistants that uh, are I don't want to say on the same playing field necessarily in terms of talent, but uh, are, you know, we're taking over programs that weren't as downtrodden as some others or probably Kirby Smart at Georgia and probably Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. And that's not to say that Kevin Sumlin did a great job at Texas A&M, um, but certainly uh, those are two those are two coaches that have, have kind of took over programs that weren't in more shambolic states, so to speak, as, you know, some other coaches that, that have left Alabama to take over elsewhere. Yeah, I just wonder how much if we make too much of that stuff because I imagine with with Tim and the BOL guys that they've they've probably written that story into the ground over the years because it's been like, hey, here's one of Saban's former assistants playing Saban. What does he think about this? I mean, at some point it just kind of gets old. It's gotten it? old for sure, at least to me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, a, it's a unique stat. I mean, the guy's been a head coach since 1990, and the internet tells me he's lost 65 games. He doesn't lose to just about anybody. It doesn't matter if you coached for him. 
doesn't matter if you didn't coach for him. He doesn't lose a lot of games. Yeah, obviously, he's an elite head coach. Ryan's lost 66 times today, just for today. instance. Just, just since it started. So this, so you're right. So it is, I mean, I think it's more, I don't, I mean, it's a good stat. No way he's ever beat him. The first assistant that beats him, obviously, is going to be a big deal. I don't think that's why Kirby Smart or Jeremy Pruitt or Jimbo Fisher want to beat Nick Saban, though. I think they want to beat Nick Saban, not because they coach for him, because he's, you know, he's considered the best coach. He's at Alabama. It's a top five team. I know the media flashes that up at, you know, our team doesn't cover that. We don't really discuss it. We don't hype it up that it's Pruitt. Now, they are familiar with each other, obviously, but Pruitt's doing his own thing at Tennessee. Kirby's doing his own thing at Georgia. Saban's doing his own thing at Alabama. These aren't cookie cutters. They're not following the same recipe on the stuff they do. They're all defensive-minded guys, good coaches, know how to recruit, and they all are cut from that. That, But I think it's – I don't think it's personal when they play each other. And yeah, it probably is over uh, – you know, I know CBS likes that graphic. Yes. Yes. Grant, can you leave the can you leave the googling up to to Ryan, please, Grant? I'll leave That's the his job. <laughs> you know, what, we guys, call him Google Google Hand for a reason. Google Hand. You know, I, I know that that, we that, that that we know. It, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen in this game on Saturday, but I think a lot of us have a feeling that it could go a certain way. So I, I, I want to change gears a little bit and talk about just this rivalry in particular because I'll be honest, I've. You know, I started covering Tennessee in 2000. As Pat likes to say, hey, Wes, you're old. Yeah, I'm old, even though Tim's older than me. But, you know, we've been around this game. Thanks. I was wondering when that was going to happen. You know, we've been around this game for a long time. And I know that the Tennessee-Florida rivalry, uh, you know, still is a a big deal. I know Tennessee-Georgia is a big deal, Uh, especially Tennessee-Kentucky to the Kentucky people. That's That's a really big deal. But there's... This game in particular has always had like, like I've almost revered it more than I have anything else. And we've all been lucky in our careers to go do a lot of different things. But I get like a like a feeling when I'm walking either to Neyland Stadium or Bryant Denny Stadium for a third Saturday in October game. I get like a different feeling. I'm just being honest here. I the the respect that I have for this game, watching it as a kid, knowing how big of a deal it was, knowing these two fan bases. I just get a different level of excitement for this game. And I, I don't know why. And, and maybe that'll be dampered a little bit with a quarter capacity, 23,000 or whatever at Neyland, or less than a quarter, 20% capacity. It might, it's going to be different. But I still, walking to the stadium for a Tennessee-Alabama game, I just get excited. I mean, is this, does this game still mean as much to a lot of people? Because it's still, to me, it's my, one of the most exciting days of every year. For Alabama, I mean, it was Saturday night at 45 minutes or so after that game and Tennessee hate week thread started where they were posting memes making fun of Tennessee. Um, so from a fan standpoint, definitely. It was good natured. That's the old butt chugger. There's nothing really original these yeah. two teams say about each other anymore. They're, you know, it's pretty much, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. But literally they had just beaten George and I don't – it was less than an hour, I'm pretty sure – and late at night, and it instantly started Tennessee hate week. Even after that game, uh, which was a colossal, yeah, colossal Georgia, game. Were, yeah, even after Georgia, it was a big game. They didn't even take time. They say, I mean, I think one of the guys posted, usually take 24 hours to, to celebrate a victory, but, you know, screw it. Tennessee hate week, everybody post your memes. So <laughs> they probably thought they are going to see Georgia again, too. So 
Yeah, and for Tennessee, I get. I mean, I, I've seen the Alabama when Alabama, like I said, during that stretch, I think it was nine straight. It was like ten out of twelve years where they lost. It's not. It's not a healthy. It's not a healthy rivalry anymore right now. Um, you know, you see Alabama and Auburn go back and forth, and you've seen. Uh, you know, you've seen that you haven't really seen the domination. So I get why Tennessee fans aren't quite excited is about this game. But I know that the Tennessee fans I know who are who are all outstanding people. Uh, they would love. They would. They. They would. They would sacrifice the rest of the season to win this game. So I still think it means something. Not as much nationally because it's not two ranked opponents and all. It's a lot of angles there. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of angles there still. I just there's, a, there's, that, there's that YouTube video. Uh, it's it's old. I don't know if it's still on there, but it's it's the guy talking about how why he hates Tennessee and he's like because they're the color of pumpkins and I hate pumpkins, right? Oh yeah, yeah. that guy for an hour he was talking so long. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so long to add on YouTube brand when I was watching it. <laughs> like, this is too long. We got to make some money off this guy. But yeah, I still think it's there. I mean, I think uh, I know for sure if Tennessee wins, there'll be some celebration. And if Alabama wins, there's a cigar tradition and the, you know, the connections. You still got, you know, again, T. Martin's from the state of Alabama, Jeremy Pruitt, Derek Ansley coached here. So there's a lot of intertwining stories. I, I, I just, do I wonder, just want, oh, does. does does Tennessee buy cigars for this game every year? That's what I was wondering. Is there and where do they do with them if they don't get used? Because you know, like you send those, they send them to a third world country. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Like, is there some third world country somewhere where they have like the, uh, you know, basically like the the teams that lost the World Series or like the NBA championship? Like they have the, those t shirts go over there. I mean, is there some place? Is there like a cigar outlet somewhere where Tennessee sends those cigars every year? I send them to uh, Pigeon Forge or Sevierville. That sounds like a great place. Yeah, to send like, them that's up. exactly what I was thinking. That, of course, uh, Ryan knew. Hashtag. Yeah, get a cigar. <laughs> get a cigar and an airbrush t shirt. Uh, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think for real, for for like my generation, Patrick's generation, the people who didn't get in their Model T to go cover General Neyland's games in <laughs> 1913, whatever it was. I mean, Florida replaced what yep. that feeling was that Alabama was for the previous generation. I mean, the, those games in the 90s, that was the team that you hated if you were a Tennessee fan. I mean, the last time Tennessee beat Alabama, what was that, 2006, I think. I was a student at UT, and it was just kind of like ho-hum because Alabama had yeah, played sure. – you're missing something. Like nobody likes y'all's generation. That's true. Well, that's not my what problem. I love you, the one below it. Y'all are like on your own. You and Patrick Ryan's generation. Y'all, y'all have like a ten-year window of people that like y'all. I think, I think Ryan's generation is closer to Wes's like. generation. M- millennial. If, if you're not liked, nobody bothers you. M- millennials, millennials are ruining everything. Millennials are ruining everything. I think we know that. Ryan doesn't fit in with his uh, mom jeans and his Reebok white walking shoes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So he doesn't really fit I, in with with you guys. You guys are much more dapper Don. Yeah, we're I'm saying, right between those two generations, straddling a fence, I guess you could say. But, yeah, and and, um, and and neither one of us. It's like you know, both of us are pushing you. Like you're probably getting constricted because we're both trying to push you to the other generation. So you're probably just no, kind I, of in a vice there. I think Grant's exactly right, though, and I, I don't I don't want to say you're old West, but you are from a different generation from us, I guess. So I think from I just, from someone who's a little bit older than us, I think the Alabama game definitely is still the game in your mind because it always was growing up. It just and seems like the, people, se- yeah, the season's changing then, you know, it's like, see, that's so what I was going to say. I, I think, think about, yeah, Tennessee, Alabama is kind of the epitome of Southern football in a lot of ways. And I think that's what it represents still to me, even though it's not, it wasn't the main rivalry for Tennessee over the past 20 years. 
it's the, the weather's starting to change. The leaves are changing. Like everything's kind of nice about it. It's a nice fall day. It's two traditional rivals playing. Even when it's not a great game, it just kind of feels right for Southern football. That's what I'm so saying. I kinda, like I think about these yeah. games for years. I mean, they were just, it felt like, you know, football season has already started, but it felt like things got serious that week. Like it was just a big deal. Like I, I, I just, I go back and I think about, I like some of the old like historical stuff too, back in the archives. I mean, there's so many special moments from this rivalry that I just think it's, and I know the two yes. fan bases when, when Fulmer became, when the thing with Fulmer happened, that maybe changed the vibe of the rivalry a little bit. Um, and it, it went from like kind of clean old fashioned hate to like vitriol a little bit, maybe at that point. But it still, to me, just feels like I just, it's two of the football programs in the country I respect the most. And I love this rivalry. Let me ask you guys this which, if Tennessee beat Alabama, Georgia, or Florida, which one would your fan base celebrate the most? That'll give you your answer. Bama. Florida. Florida. I think Bama right now. No, that's the game that's scheduled. That's the game that's scheduled in. Y'all are stupid. Good Lord, my IQ is falling. West speak. When 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 Alabama, it's Alabama. If if Tennessee beats crazy, break a thirteen game win streak. Absolutely, it beat Nick Saban for the first time. Got the old heads in here sounding off. Their fans would probably know more, but I feel like that game. They they lose it. Like if, that's, if, what if, I, that's what I feel like. Yeah, I've seen Tennessee beat Florida in recent history, and there have been some big parties after that. If they beat Alabama and in that series, you will see fires. You will we'll see, see a third yes. Ramy child. Yes, well, probably nine oh, months Red later. We'll be having a third child. You put that evil on yeah. me, Ricky Bobby. I mean, <laughs> so, social distancing rules will go out the window. Like if they they would. This place, you seriously would see like fires. The police scanner would be really fun to monitor if that happened. I think that's how big that's of a question. deal it would be. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I see why you guys feel that way. Um, the thing about the Florida and, series is is that Tennessee has lost 14 to 15 in that series, and it's not like Florida's been a dynasty like Alabama has. Like, you can sort of explain some of those losses, or you can you can explain why Tennessee's lost 13 or Alabama because Alabama's been – one of the best programs in college football over the last since Saban got there in 2007, I guess 2008 was his his first big year there. But um, the Florida, the, you know, Florida's changed coaches one less time than Tennessee. They've had some bad teams down there. There's been games that Tennessee is uh, inexplicably thrown away in that series, and so that many, would be part of the reason them. I would say that would be. I get it. I get that excited. That that's answer. that's one of the SEC games I look forward to. Florida and Tennessee. Um, so I yeah I can see that. It'll be fun to play that game in December too. That'll be, uh, that'll be Florida coming up here when it's cold. That'll be that'll be interesting. Hopefully, Florida gets over its COVID situation in time. Well, see, see uh, what I, before we get out of here, I I really wanted to talk about sort of some of the fun moments in the history of this series. And I know that now apparently the millennials here are going to be like, "Who cares? It's not the Florida game," you know. But <laughs> but but I mean, to me, it seems like I just think of so many moments. I think of those Jay Graham runs. I think of the David Palmer. Uh, two point conversion yep. game, you know, I, I you know, th- there are, I, I think of uh, the, the Witten big touchdown uh, against Bama, the one year in the close game. I think of the five overtime game, which is one of the best games I've ever covered when Jason Allen batted that ball away in the end zone, a kid from Alabama doing that. I just think there have been so many fun I I moments for that game. <laughs> probably. Yeah. And I was covering it, but I mean, I just, to me, what have been y'all's kind of most memorable moments of, of this rivalry? I know now the millennials probably won't care. So this might just be me and Tim well, talking. Can I, but... can I give the millennial answer and say yeah. the 2009 game, the lane, the Terrence Cody block there at the end. 
and the great I'm memes saying, that came afterward. Can I bring that one up? No, when, I, when I think Alabama and Tennessee, uh, that Terrence Cody, obviously Lane Kiffin coaching, you know, that Saban's only undefeated year. And he had to block uh, two field goals to uh, to defeat a first-year coach, Lane Kiffin, who would be leaving in six weeks. You know, it was quite the deal. But the two really stand out to me is for Alabama's side is uh, Roman Harper when he caused yeah. the fumble at the goal line. That was just, you know, it's a yep. three-star kid, in-state kid, selling out. And that's what that game – there's a lot of, you know, before the stars were that big a deal, there's a lot of guys you'd see at Tennessee you hadn't heard from in Alabama who just killed themselves for that game. And then I always remember uh, Peyton. I know Alabama fans hate it. I remember him leading the the singing when Tennessee broke the streak. Uh, I think it's forty-one to fourteen. Ninety-five. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the eighty-yard pass to Kent. Yeah, yeah. Those stand out to me just as moments and what that rivalry, you know, kind of means. It still was, means enough. I tell you this: it still means enough for Alabama fans that I will have fifty to sixty texts of Alabama friends smoking cigars if they win. Yep. I will get screen. I will get a. Uh, photos of that and if they lose uh i would get 15 to 20 uh people smoking cigars two of y'all aren't old enough to buy them That's ryan true. certainly would never <laughs> like something and put it in his mouth wes will smoke <laughs> five for y'all yeah i'll take i'll take so, all of them i'll take I all know, of I them still, to me it still means something well i was sitting in the end zone for that roman harper game that end zone where it happened it happened right like right in front of where i was uh, it was great it was just the roman and he's he came out favorite. of nowhere and, and well, that, he's one of my favorite. He's one of those Bama stories where, you know, it's funny. I spoke uh, in New Orleans at an Alabama group, and Roman Harper was there speaking. He spoke, sat down, and then asked me more questions than anybody else in the audience. I assume he's going to ask me why we had him a two-star or three-star or whatever, <laughs> but he didn't. And that, that, series, that series wasn't always defined uh, by David Palmer heroics or Peyton Manning heroics. There's guys through those games – that you never really heard from after college who, you know, cemented their self in the, in the school's lore. Yeah. Dale Jones. I mean, you know, a lot of those, there's a lot of those moments. I mean, I, I remember in that play with Harper that took away what would have been a kind of a, a glorious moment for one of Knoxville's own Corey Anderson was the fullback who got the ball knocked away from him there. If I remember correctly. And that was a kid who was again, like a two-star prospect turned into some really great 265 pound fullback who could move at that size, kind of a freak of nature in that way. And, and that would have been a great story. Him making the play to, to beat Bama it didn't work out. The way I still know this is a big rivalry is, every, you know, since I've been covering Tennessee, walking down on the field after the game for post game, it's like, as soon as you get to the field and sometimes even before you get hit right in the face with the cigar smoke because mm-hmm. The Alabama fans at Neyland sit right where, uh, right above where the post game is. Uh, obviously, at, at Bryant Denny, it's pretty. I, I think Tennessee's locker rooms underneath where the student section is. I, they might have changed it around now, but uh, you you get down there pretty quickly. And, and it, the fact that everybody has those just ready to go tells me what uh, Alabama fans obviously think of this rivalry. And then obviously, you know, for Tennessee fans, whenever it gets back to being more of a rivalry, they will they will. Uh, certainly be ready to celebrate I can't, and, even, and burn I can't even imagine your reaction walking through that puff of smoke I, 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 I once rode the elevator I can't even imagine how many Alabama fans are in getting <laughs> cussed out that big puff of smoke you're walking trying to get home <laughs> and that smoke hits you let, let me let me take you back to 2017 the game uh personal memory the double the bird days. game the good old days no I'm not talking about the game I'm talking go balls 247 rolls into a hotel four wide <laughs> I don't know. Where do we stay? Where's that shopping area that we stay? Trustville. Yeah. Trustville. Yeah. 
3.30 kickoff the next day. Hey, gang, 8 a.m. breakfast tomorrow. Let's go. We got to get to the stadium. We got stuff to do, people to see. What, was, this the go- the was this the ghost breakfast game? I'm telling the story, okay? <laughs> I'm happy I ruined it. Down, keep it down, Casey Casey. <laughs> I wake up the next day on time, mind you. My alarm goes off. I'm an adult. Nobody else is awake. Everybody's You started having kids at 16, man. Time waits for no man. Grant Ramey waits for no man. I go eat breakfast, Waffle House, solo. Sit at the counter. It's the best way to do it. I get back. A lot of hate mail. A lot of hate on the way to the uh, Tuscaloosa from Trestle to Tuscaloosa. Didn't bother me. We learned an important lesson that day. Well, I mean, it's yeah, you're, you're, we learned you're a jerk is what we learned. If you're sitting, I, if, I'm, if, an on, I'm an on-time jerk. If you're in a I room would. or a suite with someone and you're going to go to breakfast, it is common decency to give them a nudge, even throw, take a shoe from the floor and throw it at someone and go, hey, get up, I'm going to breakfast. Cool, man, let's go. Come on. Yeah. Change your diapers, change your diapers, put your clothes on, comb your hair like I do Theo, <laughs> get him out the door. For me, I loved it because I just, all of a sudden I get a group text with Wes or Patrick calling Grant mean names. <laughs> and like this jerk left us for breakfast. I was like, what is, what is happening here? And then I get the play-by-play bickering we're hearing now in a text. Yeah, and we and they're uh, like, "You could have woke me up." He's like, "You could have woke up." I mean, they are on. Ramey got a lot of Rashawn Galden double bird salutes that day. A I, lot hey, of them. Look, so, some of us good, that was a good moment in the rivalry. Also had a little belly though. I didn't mind the double birds. <laughs> some of us missed that that early wake up call because we were staying up late watching Letter Kenny, which is a great show that Tim uh, introduced to me. That is good. So find Tim. That was false. a good one. I will. Only men, only real men watch that. You've said only real men have seen it from episode one to the last. That, Ryan, have you seen it? You know well, what? Uh, you know, I'm still Ryan, in the works you, there. That, still, so the answer would be that's a Ryan. No, I'm, I'm halfway through it. That's yeah. He's yeah. He's been halfway through it since I, I bought Hulu. I bought this clown Hulu to get him to watch it. Yes. We are in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. He is stuck at his house. Mm-hmm. And this dude, these episodes are 23 minutes long, and he's seen 23 episodes of 23 minutes in eight months. I made him send, y'all, guys, I didn't tell you this. I made him send my $25 for Hulu back. Yes. He did. Yes. And he he's, did send it, and I never said thanks. He's very stingy. All, um, all I'm saying is I was the Neil Armstrong of Letterkenny here. That's and, revisionist and history. No, let me finish, please. And I have been Buzz Aldrin here. I, I was I was I was the first one to step foot on the moon of Letterkenny, and I have been written out of the history books for it. And I don't appreciate it. I'm just going to throw it out there. I just don't appreciate You're it. Like Fred Armstrong, who is Louis's brother. Like nobody remembers. You're not really, <laughs> or the front, fr- like the you're, the, you're not Neil. You're, you're, yeah, you're Fred Armstrong. Frank Neil's Stallone, brother, nobody cared about. Yeah, Frank you're, Stallone. You're, Mc, you're McMurray, and we can all finish yes. the sentence. Yeah, Frank the Stallone, the guy the, who worked at the city. The Baldwin Neil never like. No, I'm not lending you money, Fred. No, that Baldwin brother who was only in like really bad B movies from like the 1990s. Oh you know, you're, you're Haley Baldwin. <laughs> I'm married, to, to, married to Beeb, married, yeah, married to Beaver, married to Beaver. All I'm, Canadian. All I'm saying Full is, circle. is that you know. Speaking of Beaver, are you about to play his song next, Wes, on the American Bandstand? Something I think there? it looks pretty good in here. I could change the color Weekend if you top want. 40. You want to change the color in here? I've got like a blue green right now. I no, can, I can change, change it. I don't know why we're doing a Zoom when they're not going to see us. Well, no, it's, it's so we can. It's normally so we can point at each other to be like, "Hey, I'm going to say something," or. Well, so we can West spin the records. Well, the benefit to me is I can see what time it is, and I cannot see Ryan. So it's not a lose-lose. 
I'm here there's to help some, you. Okay. There's some there's some wins in there. Ryan's, Ryan's still on hold in West Knoxville. First time, long time. Yeah, he's he's protesting. <laughs> he's protesting with his blank box. There is what's happening. I would like to do a Zoom with two people: Ryan's movie friend and his barber. Uh oh. I would like <laughs> wow. to do a podcast. Can we can, can we can we can we talk about what? movie friend or is that a no go hey, zone? There, there's an update. There's an open date coming up for Tennessee next week. I think that's perfect time, Tim. <laughs> his barber's name is Miss Callahan. Yes, and <laughs> and he's been cutting it since he was four with the same Rubbermaid bowl. I think so. <laughs> she bought the five I, size pack, and she just adjusted as he grew yeah, up. Yeah, he's like, this is this is more. Let's go with the green bowl today. No, no, this is more of an orange bowl one. This it's is special. Hey, this is Alabama week. We're going to we're going with a red bowl. That's all I'm saying is you know it, it's. There have been times in this series where Tennessee fans have, have not been happy. Alabama fans have been very happy. And we on the Go Vols 24-7 staff have been very happy, not because of the result of the game, but because of some hijinks from the road. See? It's about the journey, Delicious right? Delicious breakfast on the road. It's bothering me, man. It's still, I'm never going to not be a little bit upset about that. Let it, be, let it be noted that Ryan couldn't finish Letterkenny, but since the pandemic started, I watched 20 hours of Ken Burns on Vietnam. I watched The Sopranos for the first time. Wow. I watched The Wire for the first time. And I'm on the final season of Breaking Bad for the first time. My man is a complete savage on these TV shows. Wes ranks second. Patrick is third. He's a consistent. He's like the turtle in the <laughs> rabbit race. He's I'm going to finish it, but I'm going to finish it on my time. Fortunately, we're actually rabbits that don't stop. So we're going to beat Patrick <laughs> pretty considerably. Ryan... Ryan's Ryan. Yeah. Look, look, I watch a bunch of different shows, okay? I haven't focused on Letterkenny. I know you guys have a problem with that. It'll get finished. Because you it think just... Shit's Creek's better, and it's just not. Hey, I didn't say that. It's just that. not. You finished Shit's Creek instead because of Letterkenny. Your actions said where your look, priorities were because because my wife wants to watch that with me i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pass that up just you know that that's different there's wife tv watching time and there's solo tv watching time you gotta do what you gotta do you know for marital what do you watch, know what you do on your solo time yeah what do you watch ryan that your wife can't watch well it's not that you can't it's just we have certain different uh-huh. styles well, of what shows. do you watch when it's ryan time oh there are plenty of that. shows i watch there's <laughs> well, a bunch throw, like she bailed out she bailed on Ozark, for instance. After no, a couple we're back of to Melissa. Melissa's not the suspect yeah. here. She's got three kids. She's raising by herself. She's not on trial here. She's okay. not the one. If on you trial. ask me what I, you ask me what I watch solo. I'm just saying those are the those are what the types you of shows. watch solo. A lot of shows. I almost. Well, I mean, you literally can't name one. Grant, I just what are you watching? Oz- Ozark, Grant, what do you watch? Breaking Bad season five episode. Wes, five. what are you watching in your West time? Doom Patrol right now. Patrick, what are you watching in your Patrick time? Season two of Umbrella Academy. Ryan. I've watched Patrick. Billions. I've watched a bunch billions of Billions hasn't shows. been on air for seven months. I got cut off because of COVID. Yeah. I'm aware. I watched that part of the season before it stopped. I'm just saying that's an example. I watched a bunch of shows. I watched the, the first half of the, the new season of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix a while back. You know, there's shows like that I just okay, kind of so pick up. Me and I will continue this argument that he does not watch. <laughs> If it's not Robert okay. Stack, it's not Unsolved Mysteries. Ryan, if you if you say you need a lawyer, they have to stop by law. That's all I'm saying. That's <laughs> you all asked I'm us saying. if we're a cop, we got to stop. Isn't that what they used to say? People buying drugs. Yes. If I ask you a cop, you got to you got to tell me. 
Brian, any I've thoughts? enjoyed being here with you guys. It was fun. These are four of my my favorite guys in the network. Um, we're lucky in the SEC. All of us are pretty good friends. So, me and Patrick, and who else? There's two <laughs> others on here. I counted y'all twice. Oh, okay, there you go. See, BFFs. Just like just like Letterkenny, I'm getting ignored all of the time. Last thing, guys, we're stepping out right now, but uh, I think we all agreed that it's probably going to be Tennessee by about 40 points on Saturday, right? Isn't that what we agreed on? I forgot. That's what I've written what for uh, our picks later this week. Yeah, Some, I, something I, I, like I Clemson, this, Georgia Tech. Tim, Tim I want to get your thoughts on this. The, the line, to me, was not as big as I thought it might be for this game. Uh, is it safe to say Vegas is expecting a bit of a letdown game, or do you think they've kind of pegged it about right at around what you know 19 20 points whatever it is now i've seen it up to around 21 i mean i just know the the, the online that i that i played through started out at 18 and a half i think went to 21 i thought it would be around the 22 23 mark i don't think it's too far off um i think you weigh the certainty i mean there's some weird spreads i mean there's some weird i mean lsu seven point favorite over south carolina starting at true freshman quarterback who's never really played and his backup is a true freshman quarterback who's never really played. So there's a lot of lines with Vegas. I mean, I wouldn't want to be setting odds or gambling a whole lot right now. I mean, it's a, it is a rivalry game and stuff happens in these games. I mean, Tennessee was beating Georgia at half last year. Tennessee was a fumble away from cutting that to seven with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter last year. And Alabama's offense was better last year than it is this year. So I understand Matt came in, but they still had the same offensive line and the same running back. So it is a rivalry game. Um, you know, I wouldn't bet on it personally. If I did, I'd probably lean to right around, a, you know, a, a, a 20. You know, I think I predicted 44-19 game, something odd like that. But I do think Tennessee will have some, some chances to take shots. And, uh, you know, what they do on those chances is really going to determine everything. Because, you know, Bama's going to take a shot. You know, they're going to try to get – Waddle, or they're going to try to get, you know, even Michi, you know, Michi, nobody's really talking about him because Devonta Smith and, and uh, uh, Waddle are so good, but they're going to take shots too. So I still, like I said, there's a lot of football left. Tennessee and Alabama are going to want to get through this, you know, stay healthy. Uh, obviously, Tennessee's got a, to me, Tennessee against Georgia, the big difference was the offensive line play. I think the uh, BJ, what was his last name? Ola. Oh, Jalari. Ojolari, I think that he was a big difference. There's a lot of pressure. I think he helped force some of those turnoffs because he was coming off that edge with, with without a lot of lot of uh, uh, resistance. So I would say, yeah, I, I would think a 20 point win, uh, something in that area would be. I don't know what you guys are. What are y'all predicting? I think it could be pretty ugly, honestly. Uh, the way the way Tennessee's not executing offensively right now, and plus I think the book on how to play Tennessee's out right now. You you. You rush four guys off off the front. That's pretty much what you need to do because one of the offensive tackles will cave at some point. Uh, and then you drop the other guys back in zone and you make Garantano stay patient and make the right decisions. And eventually he won't make the right decision. So, I mean, I even if Tennessee plays well, they're not going to be able to keep pace, I don't think, with Bama scoring. And I don't know what Tennessee's doing offensively right now unless they can get a ton out of the running game. I think it could be a 30-point game. It was a – 34 and a half point spread last year. Yeah. FYI. Before I, I the thought, play that should not be mentioned on the goal line. I thought the spread would be a little bit higher. I thought, I thought maybe in the 25 to 27 range, at least because of Alabama's offense being so good. So I, I'm, I'm clearly not good at that kind of thing because I was way off, but um, I, 
I do think Alabama's offense is just going to be too tough for Tennessee to stop. And I, I was looking back at the past results. This stat blew me away. Tennessee has not scored more than 21 points against Alabama since that 2003 game that went to five overtimes. So yep. uh, even topping 21 would be an accomplishment given this series' recent history. So I, I just think Tennessee will have a tough time covering that spread unless it creeps up a little bit. I usually take Alabama in our picks every week anyway, just sort of out of principle. Uh, I think they're, what are they, 2-2 two and two against the spread this season? I think Missouri kind of backdoored them. Or no, they might be 3-1. and one. Yeah, Very well, no, Ole, Ole Miss, Ole Miss too. Um, that that shootout, uh, but yeah, uh, I'll probably take Alabama to cover again, just because that's what I do. Yeah, I, I just interesting. I mean, the no, one thing I you can say. It, oh, go, go ahead, Tim. No, go ahead, Wesley. I was going to say the one thing about you can say about Garantano is that you never know uh, if he's still the one in there on a week to week basis. If you can say anything about the kid, you can say that he's really physically tough and that he is able to put bad performances in the rear view and go out there and put together a much better game. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call it likely, but it's possible because we, he's done it before. I think there's some freedom, too, in Tennessee literally having nothing to lose. I mean, it was that, it was that felt that way a little bit last year. Um, they sensed when Mac Jones came in and, and, and Tua went out, they sensed. I mean, they, they those kids ramped it up. I think there's a certain freedom in not, you know, knowing you're an underdog and you can play. So that's why I think Tennessee will make some plays. There's, I mean, there's not a reason in the world for them to come out tight um you know and uh you know they you know they can just shoot you know they can try to be the uh rocky against uh clubber lang there you go there you go i get that reference too now by the way yeah now are they going to be the first fight with clubber and rocky or the second is the question probably the first (laughs) y'all got so much faith Just, now, now that those jokers play the games better than Rocky Four, which is the worst of the Rocky series. <laughs> oh, man. Tony, I, I, I can't even go there. We're already overboard on time. I cannot even get into another argument West with ready you to die on another hill. about Rocky Four. Rocky Five is the worst thing that ever happened to the world. Rocky Four is a solid movie. He won the Cold War. Grant, show some freaking oh, respect. AKA cheesy. I just don't know why he couldn't do sit-ups in America, why he needed a barn in Russia. Thank you, Tim. Preach. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's, it's less movie and more just a series of montages. He's a, he's yeah. acclimatizing to what it's going to be like. You guys don't even understand. It really appears to of people like Wes. Don't even I mean, there's two, facts. there's two things about that series I feel really good saying. One, if he raised Apollo Creed on the beach in L.A. a million times for a million days, a million times a day for a million days, he would never beat Apollo Creed. Agreed. If Apollo broke his ankle, stepped and cut his foot on a shell, he would still outrun Rocky. And a shark alone, and a shark bit him in the Achilles. Let alone 11 days later, he's out, uh, out uh, racing him. And two, Drago killed Apollo. He was yeah. certainly going to kill Rocky. Yeah. But, but it didn't happen. It. But it didn't happen because Rocky won the Cold War. I think Drago threw it because he needed money. He bet against himself, had really good odds, got rich, got the hell out of that country. And all those fake technology, Drago did all those fake technological things. They were just, they were just, they were, it was just for sure. That man running around that track. It's true. It's very like a robot. (laughs) And he speaks six languages. We found out later. Yes. The genius. An actual genius. genius. Did y'all know that? He's a legitimate genius. The best Rocky was man on the street. 
poor man Rocky when he was the no OG name. Rocky. Yes, yes. I don't need no sellout Rocky who's living in some shed in Siberia. Rocky Five is the worst mm-hmm. debacle of a movie that probably has ever happened, and you're sitting here saying Rocky Four is worse. It's the yeah, it's, it's the just, worst taking this. In the record, case before we get out of here, Tim. Casey Kasem. Now, Casey now, that, now that I'm sufficiently irritated with Grant's lack of culture. I American Bandstand. Tim, I've never seen Wes, hold on. I've never seen Wes shook on Zoom. So let's yeah. uh, give me two more minutes. This You're going to want to click on it and do pin video. Hayden Rocky Four is going to. Yeah, you do that all the time. Like, when I ask press conference questions now, like in Zooms, Ramey will take screenshots of them and then do uh, do like some yeah, Photoshop work. To me. Yeah, they're, yeah, we got, it. Like we the, got a huge collection. With the Acuna glasses we, and everything. Yeah. Why don't we just get to look at your avatar of you holding your dog instead of this yeah. picture of you actually talking right now? Yeah. We're just lucky he's behind the door and shut up. the most disturbing before I let you go, before y'all let me go. Oh, please, please, oh, please. Know. Maybe I'm the alpha here. We'll figure it out later. Wes sent me a link to a tweet where they took his cat and mixed it with <laughs> other dogs, and they're like German Shepherd corgis. Yeah, they not are. like they're all built like a corgi. But they're a German Shepherd or a Rottweiler. It's a crazy. They weigh more than fifty pounds, dude. It's like they sawed off a regular dog's legs. It's it's kind of crazy looking. It's kind of crazy looking. The, all it was so many. I I couldn't believe it. The Corgi Dalmatian and Corgi Pitbull are beautiful, and the and the one with the uh, the Newfoundland too. I'm just saying, they're they're great dogs, and and they fit in a purse, which is nice. They, he weighs thirty pounds. All right, <laughs> twenty more to go. Wes, yeah, you yeah. should show the uh, subscribers uh, on Go Balls where the dog ran into the porch. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Wes is corgis out. The they throw something, the Did they you... throw something off the porch. It's 12, 14 inches off the ground. I don't know. It's like a walkout the porch. Corgi, yeah. the, the corgi gets whatever, comes flying back, tries to jump. Doesn't even come close. No, he hits it full in his chest. Yeah, it was four. If it's fourteen inches, he was twelve inches vertical, too short. Did you ever hear? Did you ever hear Ramey's? Did you ever hear Ramey's remix of that? Ramey made like a a montage of sound effects. Yeah, that were. (laughs) I I can send it to you later. He sent it to to, uh, one of the group threads at some point. It was. It was one that I clicked save on. I did a remix to let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> and tried to time it out with the uh, body hitting the porch. The worst part, my wife is still mad at me to this day because you can hear at the end of that video her like God. screaming in agony and I'm just cracking up because I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I have ever seen an animal do. And I have seen I literally thought he's dead. <laughs> yeah. The porch. I mean, if I ran him. if I ran that fast, that hard it, with my chest into a wood porch, I would be dead. Like Jared, like Jared Garantano, he gets up every time. I'm just Here's telling the you. question. Ed, running that same distance, how much of a head start would Wes need to beat the dog to the porch? Oh, there's okay. I could not beat him. He's so much faster. There's no way. He's unbelievably fast. They're herding dogs. They really are. They herd mice. Yeah. I mean, what? what? They they have <laughs> been herding they have been herding cattle what in Wales. Would step on Gus's head and kill him. They um, have been herding cattle like, in like in Wales for 600 years. 600 years they've been herding <laughs> a dogs. Herd of ducks would kill Gus. I mean, you don't even understand. At this He's point, like the guy on Games of Thrones, the little guy. Oh, the Tyrion? Yeah, that's true. Yes, he's Peter. What's his name? The guy in Elvish. Yes. There you go. He's never gonna beat, they're never going to beat Jamie. <laughs> it's, y'all, are, y'all are mean. It's a great cat, okay? It's a dog. It's a dog. <laughs> Tim, before Tim, before we step out of here, what? how can uh, how can people get a hold of uh, you and your site and uh, what y'all got going over there at BOL? It's an awesome site, one of the 
the absolute best in our since, network. It's awesome. Just going to all Tennessee fans. I'd rather they stay off. Oh, there's some, there's some Bama fans talking trash. There's some Bama fans who are listening to this. Uh, well, then go to your y'all go to Wes's board because <laughs> he loves to moderate <laughs> and talk trash about his cat. Say every bad yeah, word you they, can think I mean, of. They can check out our writing. We do a pretty good job with the coverage of the game. BamaOnline.com. It's a twenty four seven network. Um, it's affiliated with the Tennessee side, obviously. We're kindred spirits. Some of us are smarter than others. That's true. Some more kindred than others. That's true. And if, if you're an Alabama fan and have any questions, just send Wes a PM. Yeah, I'll be happy to answer that. I'll direct you to Tim Watts, who is the uh, the godfather of, uh, of of basically our industry in some ways. One's, runs one of the best sites around. Guys, I think we should probably end on that compliment because that's the only way this thing's going to end on a compliment. So we'll step out of there, and I guess we'll, uh, we'll see some of y'all over the weekend. Thanks, guys. Good luck to y'all. Thanks, Wes. Thanks, Tim. Ramey's, Thanks, guys. Ramey, you're not going to say bye? Ramey, everyone else is saying bye. There you Ramey's go. Ramey's saying goodbye. That's, I said goodbye. Yeah. We're, that's, why, that's why we should have Skyped. There right you go. There. there you go. Right Hurry there. up for Theo runs in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, guys, as they say, that's about it. Thanks to Tim Watts, our good friend at Bama Online, for joining us for this podcast. And I think now we can... Uh, we can go ahead and start that music. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, uh, nothing else, you can get that also on Twitter at twitter.com slash govols247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govols247. All kinds of good stuff on there. Or if you want that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water, just right from the tap, right from the source. Go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to talk Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, Lady Vols sports, where Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering the Lady Vols for us. Uh, You can talk all of that. You can talk all about it with us. All of it. All of it. Right there, GoVols247.com. You can also go to the checkerboard, which there are message board on GoVols247 to talk Tennessee sports or the summit, the appropriately named summit, to talk Tennessee women's sports and other things. So uh, always a good time to check us out. But right now is a really good time, guys, because we got a really good deal right now. We got uh, two months for one buck. One dollar, Bob. That's it. Two months, one dollar. Really good time if you hurry this week and go check that out. I actually don't know if it's going to go through the end of the week. I think it's going to go through at least the next couple days. Bottom line, hurry up and go get that done. And if you pay us full price, guys, that's still less than one mediocre lunch per month. And you get all of it for that. You can't get anything for that price anymore. You can get that. You can get all that I just described. All of it. All of it. Plus, if you pay us the full price, you get access to CBS All Access. CBS is streaming platform, which is everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made by the company, commercial free, new movies every single month. You get live sports uh, and archive sports too. Through uh, you can watch them later, stream them later. You can get t- Tennessee football, SEC football. You can get college football from across the the country. You can get uh, NFL football. Tons of good stuff on there. You can get college basketball, March Madness. All of that is on there. Also, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, and i got to give it to the company. Doing a really good job, really good job covering that so far. As a soccer fan, I've really appreciated that. Awesome cast. They do a really good job. All those guys doing that coverage. You get all of that, plus exclusive podcast stuff. Everything. That's a $100-plus annual value that we are giving you for free. For free. 
pretty good deal. Pretty good deal, it sounds like to me. So go check us out. GoVols247.com. We can point you in every direction after you get there, but you got to get there on your own. GoVols247.com. If nothing else, you should hear from us after Saturday's game, uh, probably because of the time of that game. It might be early, early Sunday morning, uh, but you will hear from us after the game, and then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Until then, guys, be safe. Wear your masks. Socially distance. Wash your hands. Use that sanitizer, too, if you can't get to the soap. And uh, let's get through this together. See you.